Blog Talk Radio.
guy, you know, make a plan to vote. Yep, it's fairly important that people vote. Election day is a week away, but you still have time to make a plan to vote. It's easy. And if you need help to get there, unions transport people. There is I, always I, I really them. like the way this blog is set up because it's really annoying. Uh, you know, uh, you know what we're reading today, and it turns out to be crap. But you know, it's like you know this is this is something that this is one of the problems I have with this blog. Fast foods in Denmark serve something atypical of living wages. A recent afternoon ended a 40-hour work week at uh, Burger King and prepared for a movie and beer with friends. He had paid his rent and all his bills, stashed away some savings, and still had money for a night's out. That is because he earns the equivalent of $20 an hour, the base wage for fast food workers throughout Denmark, and two and a half times that many fast food workers are in the United States. Yeah. Why the co- container store pays its workers $50,000 a year? The container store pays its 6,000 employees an average of $48,000 a year, according to CEO Kip Tyndall's new book, Uncontainable. As he told business insiders, that's a lot of money for a retail sales, sales clerk. In fact, median pay for retail sales worker is $21,410 year, $10 a year. The company also gives big raises each year. He said from 0% for low performance to as much as 8%. doesn't say why. Why don't we go to the article, Why the Container Store, right there. It's from Think Progress. Let's find out why they do that. It must be good business. They think, I I don't, for some reason, I don't know. I think they call those, call, uh, whatever that place. The container store. They're supposed to be paying 45000 a year, but I I don't see it in those people. Um, The company still performs well while paying more than double what's typical for the industry. It has an annual sales of nearly $800 million. And Tyndall credits at least some of that performance with the higher pay. His theory is one equals three, he told the Wall Street Journal. One great person can easily do the business productivity of three good people, which means the company can pay that one high performer 50 to 100% above industry average. And that brings returns back to the company. He told business insiders that the company gets three times the productivity even while paying two times as much in wages. You save money. The customer wins, and all the employees win because they get to work with someone great, he said. Plus, the company has a 10% turnover rate, while the rate for the entire industry is about 75%, and turnover is costly. Tyndall credits high wages for the low rate, saying, pay is more important than most people realize, particularly if you're trying to attract and keep really good people. Beyond the business incentives, He believes he has a responsibility to pay more. If you're lucky enough to be an employer, you have a moral obligation to create a great work environment, he said. To that end, he thinks other companies should compensate their employees the way he does. And he may have the ability to influence them as incoming chairman of the National Retail Federation, which has opposed a minimum wage increase. I'll work to get the NRF to actually moderate and review that stance, he said. 
I also think certain companies will soon come out in favor of raising the minimum wage because they're going to have to politically. Better pay leads to better uh, profitability. Some other retailers do not take that route, such as The Gap, Costco, Whole Foods, and others, uh, which pay above the federal minimum wage. Oh, excuse me. Some other retailers do take that route, such as The Gap, Costco, and Whole Foods, who pay above the federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour. The Gap, for example, saw the immediate benefit of a spike in job applications after it announced a higher minimum wage for its employees. But others are known for lower pay. The majority, can you not do that? The majority of Walmart's employees make less than 25000 a year. Its low pay has sparked strikes and protests across the country for the last few years, with workers demanding at least $25,000 a year in a minimum wage of $15 an hour. More full-time work in an end to retaliation against those who try to organize the union. Fast food workers have also gone on strike to demand higher pay. The container store stands out in some other ways, Tyndall says. We've never laid anybody off in the history of the company, although it does fire workers for poor performance. During the recession, it didn't do any layoffs, instead freezing salaries and 401k matches. He claims that that means the company bounced back quicker after recession because of the loyalty factor. He also has a focus on gender balance in the top ranks. He told Business Insider, I think women make better executives than men because of his value of emotional intelligence. And to that end, says about 70% of the top leadership positions are held by women. We are just looking for the best leaders. Obviously, we have nothing against men, he explained. It's just that the skill set, communications, empathy, emotional intelligence, um, are what we stand for, and being like our target customer really fits the bill with women. The 70% figure is remarkable, given that women hold less than 15% of executive office positions at the country's largest company. So he's he's a rule breaker, isn't he? Or our trendsetter? I, I don't think. even know what the guy is. It's a container store. It's a store, and he's the CEO. Well, obviously not, because if, if you don't understand the article and what he's doing. What union members are doing this week? They're, um, I wanted to talk about uh, who's, let's see, let's see if I can find it. The winners and the losers of the week. Let's see who they are. The AFL-CIO always picks uh, companies and organizations for that week that do the best for working families and working people. The winners this week, uh, the teachers and their allies, more than 25,000 of whom stood up to Time magazine after the magazine's cover falsely blamed them for problems facing American schools. The runner-up is Kay Hagan, an ally of the federal employees running a tough U.S. Senate race in North Carolina. That's one of the races that they've dumped a tremendous amount of money into, both Republicans and um, Democrats. The losers for this week, 
Georgia election officials. Not only are 50,000 voter uh, registration forms missing, the officials are accusing voter registration groups for fraud despite an error rate on registration forms of less than three hundredths of three hundredths of one percent. That's weird. Runner up, Joni Ernst, the Iowa Senate can candidate is not only no friend of working families, she can't be relied on to protect social security. I think we read about her last week. Not somebody we want to think about including on the vote, that's for sure. Anybody that's not interested in protecting Social Security, one of the best um, decisions this company, this country ever made, because it takes care of um, middle-income and low-income elderly. Even though they're very wealthy, they collect it too, but they don't really need it. They just add it to their ever-growing pot of money that they seem to have. Okay. Turns out that Obama is losing all of his base. I watched something today. Well, he hasn't done anything for his own people, even. No. This caught on video proves that even Obama's base is saying bye-bye. That's when they got up and left when he was talking. I wonder if that was the one, yeah. As we count down the hours until election 214. Turn that on, that'll tell you probably why. There are other kinds of counting going on. Adding up the numbers of people walking on Barack Obama as he tries to rally the base of Democratic candidates. Yes, it happened again, and this time it was caught on video. Let's say, let's just see. Uh, 49 seconds. Unless you're registering on election day, you can vote even if you don't have photo ID. Don't let anybody mislead you. And don't, don't just stop at voting. I am asking you to get involved. I need you to go to BurkeForWisconsin.com uh, and volunteer. I'm going to repeat that, BurkeForWisconsin.com. Volunteer in this last week. Make some phone calls for Mary. Knock on some doors for Mary. Grab everybody you know. Get them to go out and vote for Mary. It just it just showed people leaving, but I don't know if that's typical. It showed, it showed black people leaving. Yeah, but those were maybe the majority of people there at that listening to him. You don't know how accurate that is. If you if you video well, somebody right, else talking, you'd yeah, all have right, people leaving. As we count down the hours until election in 2014, there's another kind of counting going on. Adding up the numbers of people walking out on Barack Obama as he tries to rally the base for Democratic candidates. Yeah, it's happened again. And this time it was caught on video. We just saw that. I'm just talking about it, Lila. People didn't see it because it was a video. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just over a week after attendees at a Maryland rally and a Democratic candidate for governor began to walk out yeah, of a speech left. by President Obama, the same thing has happened in Wisconsin. The president was in a Badger state to campaign for Mary Burke, who is, is striving to unseat one of the Republican governors most often targeted by Democrats, Scott Walter. Walker. And as Obama is trying his best to fire up the crowd with the usual red meat rhetoric. It became obvious that quite a few hard, uh, quite a few heard enough. 
no longer compelled to hang on Obama's every word, these folks decided not to hang out. You can watch the, their exit from the auditorium by clicking on the video. And as you watch, listen carefully to see if you hear how Obama slips into that speech and pronunciation pattern he uses for a certain kind of crowd. Uh, it's, it's too bad, you know. It, it, it's happening. He's supposed to be coming here. He canceled the... Uh, uh, Earlier because of his yeah, support because, Malloy yeah. because of the uh, Ebola, Ebola crisis. Crap that he, he's all involved with, which is crop of crap. But... Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, okay, uh, new report. Americans support us expanding Social Security benefits. A new report from the National Academy of Social Insurance. Americans make hard choices on Social Security. Takes a comprehensive look at public attitudes about the nation's retirement security program and finds broad support both for the program and for common sense solutions to strengthen and expand the program in the future. The study surveyed more than 2,000 Americans on a variety of important questions related to Social Security. Here are eight important results from the responses. 71% of Americans say they don't mind paying for Social Security because they value it for themselves and their families. 81% say they don't mind paying for it because it provides security and stability for millions of retirees, disabled individuals, children, and spouses of deceased workers. Number three, 86% agree that the current Social Security benefits do not provide enough income for retirees. Number four, 72% say we should consider raising future benefits. Number five, 77% agree that it's important to preserve the program for future generations, even if it means increasing taxes paid by working Americans. Number six, 83% say it's critical to safeguard Social Security benefits for future generations, even if it means increasing taxes paid by the wealthiest Americans. Number seven, 71% support a package of changes that would gradually eliminate the cap on earnings, raising the Social Security tax rate slightly, increase the cost of living adjustment, and increase the minimum benefit level so that seniors are above the federal poverty line. Number eight, 95% of retirees say that Social Security is important to their monthly income. 85% of those not currently receiving it say it will be important to their incomes when they retire. That's 95%. A no fast track campaign aims at returning lame ducks. The FLCIO and its members' unions launch a unique station dom domination ad campaign aimed at stopping possible congressional action on fast-track trade authority legislation in the upcoming lane public session of Congress. The ad runs throughout Capitol South Metro Station, the main Capitol Hill stop, and one of the busiest stations in Washington, D.C. metro system. The ad conveyed the too often hidden but always dramatic stakes and 
trade negotiations for working people. One ad features Marcos V, a Texas refinery worker, a member of the United Steelworkers. He says that the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Agreement that could be considered under fast trade could be devastating to the oil industry and manufacturing industry it supports by offshore jobs, offshoring jobs, clipping away at our wages and risk the safety and environmental protections our unions have brought us for decades. The TPP could uh, uh, threaten our rights to organize and collectively bargain. Fast track um, legislation shrouds trade deals in secrecy. It makes it nearly impossible for Congress to fix trade deals that, that harm our economy and environment. It, it prevents citizens from providing input to proposals until the deal is being negotiated, and it makes you wonder what they're trying to hide. AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka says, Fast Track is a misguided and undemocratic policy that advances the corporate trade agenda and bad deals like NAFTA, CAFTA, and Korean FDA. Congress must end the secrecy and create a new process to develop and implement trade, investment, and economic policy that will promote good jobs, rising wages, a clean environment, and a fair economy for all of us. American workers simply can't afford more fast track. And I agree with them fully that fast track is as complete. Mm -hmm. Okay. The cover of Time Magazine's forthcoming November 3rd issue shows a pretty significant misunderstanding of an important issue when it attacks teachers, blaming them for the problems in the American schools. The cover is featured already on Time's website, and soon it will be in every supermarket checkout line and newsstand in the country. The AFT is calling the magazine to task for the cover and has launched a petition demanding that Time apologize for the cover. The AFT notes that the cover doesn't reflect the content of the issue, which presents a more balanced view of the issue and instead represents the agenda of wealthy interests who want to take due process away from teachers. Millions of Americans will not read the more even-handed coverage inside the magazine and will be misled by the cover. AFT President Randy Weingarten describes her response to the cover. When I saw this today, I felt sick. This time cover isn't trying to foster a serious dialogue about solutions for our schools. It's intentionally creating controversy to sell more copies. The millionaires and billionaires sponsoring these attacks on teacher tenure claim they want to get great teachers into the schools that serve high-need kids. It's a noble goal, but stripping teachers of their protection won't help. In fact, this blame and shame approach only leads to low morale, high turnover, and in making it even harder to get great teachers into the classroom. Just today, constitutional scholar Erwin Chimariski wrote a fact-based argument that tenure protections help recruit and retain high-quality teachers. In fact, there is a strong correlation between states with strong teacher tenure and high student performance. If you're interested in signing the petition and tell time that we need a real debate on the issues, go to the AFL-CIO blog now, and you can sign the petition online. I think it's really important. Um, tearing down the messenger, which teachers are, 
is not the problem. That's not going to fix things. No, I agree with you. Definitely. Uh, American Sport Expanding Social Security Benefits. Yes, I just read that. You just read that? Yes, I just read that right before I read this one. I talked all about Social Security. I guess not. Court order Dominican Republic to recognize citizenship. Flight attendant honored for battle against workplace sex discrimination. Attacking teachers, but you know, I, I just read that. You just read this article? Yeah, I just read that article. That's uh, what I was I talking about. It was yes, it was that article. I just read it. Okay. The two best articles on this site were the <laughs> one on teachers and the one on social you security that you don't okay, seem that. to listen to. All right. 1,000 workers told to join. I am. Here's an, thing, an interesting thing. What drives you? You're the kind of person who votes, and this year your voice to the polls is more crucial than ever. What issue is driving you to the polls? I know they put that on here, so it's a little louder. Let's see. Because it's important that people... What is it? No matter where you're from or where you start. No matter which road you take or where you end up, no matter what drives you, voting counts. It's a reflection of who you are, what you believe, the future you want for yourself, your family, your country. So when November 4th rolls around, no matter how you get there, go vote. important thing. Tuesday is coming up and you need to vote. What happens historically is when it's not a presidential election year, people don't seem to turn out to vote. But you know, the governor... We wind, up, we wind up getting crappy. It's a really, really important. There's some governor elections, gubernatorial elections, and who leads your state and, really and, affects your and, quality of life in that state. So get out and vote. It's also important there's some senator and congressional races that are important <laughs> because they, we're going to have uh, some very serious races, and a lot of these people are really conservative. There's a lot of money pouring into their elections, and you don't want the federal government to be run by them. No, we got a real issue here in Connecticut of Foley versus Malloy. You know, Malloy's got a lot of bugs, but Foley is, is one. Horrible. And well, he has an article on him for the third well, year in a I'll, row. Yeah. Okay, good. Gubernatorial candidate Tom Foley, Republican Connecticut, has an effective tax rate in 2013 of zero. The third year in a row, the millionaire hasn't paid taxes. 
In 2010, the investor spent $11 million of his own fortune in a failed attempt to defeat Daniel Malloy for governor of Connecticut. And Foley is trying again this year. On Friday, he showed reporters summaries of his most recent tax returns, showing that after his adjustments, his tax rate in 2013 was 0% as it was in 2011 and 2012. The fact that the millionaire candidate can find loopholes will allow him to avoid paying taxes that working families often struggle to pay is another sign that Foley is out of touch with the people of Connecticut. They also provide evidence as to why his policy positions are at odds with the needs of Connecticut residents. The Malloy campaign criticized Foley in a statement on Friday. Tom Foley owns a multi-million dollar mansion Two British fighter jets. He needs fighter jets? Yeah. Two British fighter jets and a $5 million yacht. It takes advantage of tax, tax loopholes middle fan class families can only dream about, allowing him to pay no income taxes for three years. <coughs> Excuse me. Tom Foley lives in a different world than most Connecticut working people and working families. I mean, I don't know how he. He won't be able to identify with ninety-five uh, no, percent of the state. So, this, so when you vote for him and you're in the ninety-five and ninety-nine percent of the state, he's not going to be representing you. No, but you're you're a complete idiot if you do vote for him. Some one hundred thousand, one thousand mechanics, technicians, and maintenance personnel employed by URS at the River Red River Army Depot near Texarkana, Texas. Earlier this week to join the machinists, the um, union. The workers voted at 61% of the IM representation in the day-long election conducted by the National Labor Relations Board. Times are changing and workers are tired of stagnant wages and benefits. There is a growing trend among workers in Texas and throughout the South uh, who believe it's time to stand up and time to get their fair share. The new members of RRAD deserve credit for looking beyond the anti-union rhetoric and focusing on the opportunities that only collective bargaining can provide. The windfall of the pair of successful IAM um, campaign uh, earlier this year had organized 925 military helicopter mechanics, technicians, and maintenance personnel employed by L3 the Corpus Christi Army, Texas, Corpor uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. That's great. That's great. That's great. Tremendous organization there. Good for them. On Ebola, I don't know whether I read this last week or not, but it's worth reading again <clears throat> because I think that this is why unions are important. To protect the nation's healthcare workers and public from exposure to the Ebola virus, President Barack Obama should use his executive authority to put in place mandatory protections and other workplace standards for hospitals and other health care facilities, the AFL-CIO urged today. If you didn't have unions, there'd be nobody to speak up like this. Nobody would bother. Two nurses contracted the disease while caring for an Ebola patient in Dallas who later died. And there have been serious questions raised about the hospital's protocols and preparedness and concerns over whether other health care facilities are prepared. In letters to Obama and congressional leaders, AFL-CIO President Richard Trumpker said this, 
Existing protocols, standards, and guidelines and adherence to them are deficient. The failures in the response have put dozens of additional healthcare workers at risk and potentially exposed many other workers and members of the public. Immediate action is needed. I agree with him. The standards should include the highest level of protective equipment, including the use of air purifying respirators and full body suits, with hands-on training on the proper way to put on and take off the protective gear. Trumka also called for protection from retaliation against workers who report health and safety issues or who contract the Ebola virus or are restricted or placed under quarantine. The letter also calls on Congress to work jointly with the administration and to provide whatever support is needed through funding and legislation to see that these are protections these protections are put in place without delay. The National Nurse United and AFT, which also represents nurses and other healthcare professionals, have called for strong, mandatory protection for healthcare workers. Both unions have been providing assistance to nurses' unions and healthcare workers' organizations in West Africa who are at the center of the Obala battle. That includes working with international organizations to provide healthcare workers with education, training, and other support. Trunka said we must not lose sight of the Ebola crisis in West Africa where thousands have died and the virus is waging out of control. The assistance that the United States is providing to the region is critical to stopping the spread of Ebola in Africa and globally, but all of us here in this country and in other countries must do more. I think he's right. We have to have, we have, to have a high standard of, of protection for nurses and any health care worker. And you have to have someone stand up and say that and make it, and make it mandatory. That's why we have protections in factories, why uh, construction workers have to wear helmets. You know, all kinds of things were, were put in place by unions. Well, here's, here's an article from Natural News. And, uh, Dr. Michael Savage warns Americans that just weeks left to stop nation from collapsing into the Civil War. Oh, yeah, well, right. Uh, well, that's a little ridiculous, Leo. Can I read it? No, because it's, it's ridiculous. Oh, then you're censoring my, my commentary. Yeah, well, I think the guy's ridiculous. On my own show, how dare you? Yeah, it's ridiculous, Leo. Did you read it? I know who he is. I know, but I didn't know he was a doctor. A doctor of what? How did he become a doctor? <laughs> I don't know. Did he send in uh, uh, to one of those yeah, organizations yeah, where yeah, you could be, yeah, he, I could probably become a doctor, yeah, I, too. Yeah, I was thinking of getting a doctor from uh, the, uh, you know, buy one. You could buy one of those. Yeah. Well, radio talk show host, author, Dr. Savage, has issued an anonymous warning to Americans, just released a new book. There is little time left before the nation plunges into the Second Civil War. In fact, at this point, less than two weeks, if the upcoming midterm elections do not go the right way, he says, the country is liable to fracture again. It's a predi prediction that he made in his tomb, uh, Stop the Coming War, uh, Civil War, which was published over the summer of the Center Street Books. And he says one man, President Barack Obama, is, is, is responsible. In an interview with World Daily, Savage said 
Obama's world reason for only reason for becoming president rested in his admission during the first campaign that he sought to fundamentally transform the country. That savage note simply begs the question that the media at the time did not ask him, who have they asked since transform the country from what to what? Obama has never been a unifying force. In 2004, when Obama addressed the National Democratic Convention, he instantly became a party star. Many saw him as a unique opportunity for Democrats to seize power, especially in the midst of Republican majorities in both Congress, chambers of House and GOP. Obama's heritage was unique, his oratorial skills impeccable, and his message solid. He spoke to an America that was neither liberal nor conservative, neither black nor white. But, says Savage, since his day, first days in office, Obama's actions have never matched his rhetoric. Instead of uniting the country, he's divided it, so much so that his uh, approval ratings now are worse of uh, the worst of his tenure, which is true. Well, that always happens at the end of any president. They always well, have yeah, lousy ratings. Yeah, he's still got two years left. Mm -hmm. Obama's uh, been engaged in a civil war from the day he sees the president. Savage told WND, he said he's going to transform America. What was that? What was that declaration? What's it, is it, it's a declaration of war against the country's traditional values. But it, it's not just Obama fighting a country. The world, it's the left-wing socialist politics and he and his party practices. Yeah. Okay. Well, Savage is a right-wing lunatic. Uh -huh. And we know that. We wonder but how it became Dr. Michael Savage. Well, I'm very concerned that he's being quoted by Natural News. Nah, I don't like that. The Natural News guy, you know, I had a lot of faith in him. Did you? Yeah, you know, I did. I, I like that site. I like the, yeah, uh, the I mean, uh, I mean, health I part of it. Yeah. I don't I don't always care for the political part of it. No, because I think he's a fascist, you know, just mm -hmm. like they're all. You know, it's scary, isn't it? Yeah. He's a right-wing lunatic, just like all the others. But, but I mean, he's good with uh, with stuff. But I mean, I really think he's calm. He should st he should stick to his medical. Yeah, health. I mean, I, I don't think his political ring is is rings true at all. Not for me. You know, because I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a good sight. But man, uh, you know, it's freaky, freaky. Scott Walker, um, what's he doing out there? Well, he's screwing around. Yeah, Scott Walker says the minimum wage doesn't serve a purpose. <laughs> well, maybe not for him. <laughs> no, of course not. Uh, Walmart workers have stood up even in the face of arrest. Oh, there you go. Machinist at Schneider Electric won a new three-year contract and ended their site. Scott Walker for saying that minimum wage serves no purpose and having his voter suppression scheme shut down by the Supreme Court. Runner-up, the governor of Swa government of Swaziland, which banned all labor unions and then banned protests in response to the union ban. Swaziland. I don't know much about Swaziland, to tell you the truth. That doesn't sound so good. So let's move along to, that's really the height of the union news for tonight. Why don't we move on to some other things? Okay. 
Did you have some other news that you wanted to talk about? Well, Norm Chomsky, who I don't know what the hell he really is, but uh, he says that students who acquire a large debt, putting themselves to school, are unlikely to think about changing society. That's right. When you trap people in a system of debt, they can't afford the time to think. Tuition fee increases are a disciplinary technique, and by the time students graduate, they are not only lodged, loaded, loaded with debt, but have also internalized the disciplinary culture. Uh, this means this, this makes, makes them efficient components of the consumer economy. Absolutely right, Norm. It's a way to create consumer slave slavery. That's yep. what it is. Oh, yeah. That's all it is. And I said that a long time ago. We They don't have to do anything. All they have to do is make people debt slaves. And they did that by taking bright people and raising the tuition so much and making them slaves to the, to the money they owe and then making them unable to get jobs by decimating the job market. So there aren't any jobs. So they here are bright people owing tons of money who can't even get a job to pay off their debt. It's just it's just so sad. And they've broken their backs, really. Because that generation will not be better off than their parents. They'll be lucky if they can ever leave their parents home. Yeah. Oh, we just lock it up. It's a it's an amazing video here. It says, "Watch the amazing dead." Woman, woman, mummified lady in Detroit. Someone manages to vote Democratic every year. This must be a miracle. This lady who has been dead since 2008 manages to vote Democratic every year. Will she vote in the upcoming midterms? Despite being dead since 2008, the mummified body of a 49-year-old Detroit woman was re recorded voting in the 2010 Michigan gubernatorial election. The body of 49-year-old Pia Frankenkopf was discovered in her garage on March 5th, sitting in the backseat of her Jeep, her Liberty Jeep. It was found by a contractor who was going through the house since it had been foreclosed. Although her remains are believed to be at least six years old, records in the Oakland County show Ferencop voting in the 2010 gubernatorial election between Republican Rich Snyder and Democrat Verd Bernio. City of Pontiac officials told the Detroit Free Press that it was most likely a clerical error. The city clerk said that someone with an infrequent record like hers usually only vote in presidential elections as opposed to gubernatorial with smaller elections. <laughs> no one noticed Farrakhan's absence for six years since she traveled frequently and kept to herself. All her bills were set up as automatically withdrawn payments when the account dried up for closure center. The autopsy has not yet concluded how she died. She died in her Jeep and nobody found her. Yeah. Oh my God. That's pretty scary. She mustn't have had any family or anybody that not. came to see her or anything. Isn't that weird? That is very weird. Very strange. Oh. That's a very sad. Oh, Wisconsin man 
filed with 13 counts of voter fraud. <laughs> can't imagine how anybody could. You know, Maybe he voted 15 times. Yeah, yes, for the same guy. Oh, God. Sherwood man, Sherwood man, charged with 13 counts of voter fraud. This is in, um, I don't know where the hell this is from. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, a short man has been charged with more than a dozen counts of illegal voting, accused of casting multiple ballots in four elections in 2011-2012, including five in 2012. <laughs> Gubernatorial recall. Uh, Robert D. Monroe, 50, used addresses in Sherwood, Milwaukee, Indiana, according to complaints of casting votes in the names of his sons and his grandfriends, his girlfriend's son. <laughs> Monroe cast two ballots. Uh, he, he, the guy just went nuts. <laughs> He's not in custody, and his initial court appearance is scheduled. The request of a Mark attorney is civil, and Richard Kimball declined to comment on the matter of his clients Tuesday. We have some strategies we're not looking to disclose at this time. Like, uh, oh, here's something interesting Australia shuts borders while U.S. worker works on new guidelines. While the Obama administration, this is by Steve Watson from Prison Planet, while the Obama administration continues to argue against travel restrictions on flights from Ebola-ravaged areas, Australia has become the latest nation to shut its borders and freeze all visas from West African countries. The Australian Immigration Ministry is currently not processing any applications from these Ebola-affected countries, said its lead minister, adding that the government is also suspending its humanitarian program. Morrison also announced that holders of permanent Australian visas based in West African countries would be subject to a mandatory three-week quarantine process prior to their departure. Not when they get in the country, before they leave. Through checks, a thorough checks will be carried out upon arrival of any travelers approved to visit Australia. While some in Australia accuse the government of being overly isolationist, the Prime Minister Tony Abbott said that Australian authorities are continuing to talk to our friends and partners about what more might be done to address the situation in West Africa and that it did not rule out Australia doing more. The Australian response provides a stark, stark contrast to the U.S. government, with the Obama administration still refusing to issue travel restrictions, arguing that isolating affected regions could make the problem worse. A recent Washington Post-ABC News poll revealed that the vast majority of Americans from both sides of the political spectrum want entry restrictions put in place. A whopping two-thirds of Americans want flight bans, while 91% want strictest screening procedures at U.S. airports. So the American people want something put in. What with governors in Illinois, New York, and New Jersey all attempting to implement quarantine restrictions on returning health workers, the Obama administration has said it's working on new federal guidelines for those returning from Ebola-stricken areas. The White House is keen to keep quarantine procedures voluntary. 
The Wall Street Journal reports that new guidelines by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention recommended that people at high risk of developing Ebola voluntarily isolate themselves from others for 21 days. Of course, neither the CDC nor the White House can enforce anything on states when it comes to their response to the crises. I don't think when you're dealing with something as serious as this that you can count on a voluntary system, said New Jersey's Governor Chris Christie. He added, I think this is a policy that will become a national policy sooner or later. Representative Daryl Iser from California, chairman of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, told CNN's State of the Union that state officials are taking action in the absence of federal leadership. Governors of both parties are reacting because there isn't a trust in the leadership of the administration. I'm afraid that's true. There hasn't been any leadership on it. He doesn't get out in front of any crisis. All he does is react and try to backpedal. Well, he's trying to do it with a bullock crisis thing. But... He didn't get out in front of it. Hey. He let it go on for over two months before yeah. he did anything. It's ridiculous. He should have been out in front of it, had a policy in place, and implemented it. Like anything else like that, it's better it's better to be um very firm and maybe too strict at first and then you can lighten up if you need to. It's very hard to go the other way. Be too light and then come down hard. It's better to do it the way the Australians are doing. Come down hard while you're trying to analyze the situation and then say, well, I've reviewed it and we can lighten up on these things. Instead of having no policy, which is what he's had, no real policy, and being too loose about it. So people don't think he's done anything, which he hasn't, and it's really... It's really bad for his uh, approval rating. I, I have to say that Malloy is good at crises. He seems to get out in front of them and speak about them before they become a real problem. And I give him a lot of credit for that. I agree. And you want somebody like that in leadership who is firm. Not a bully like Chris Christie. He's just a big bully, that's all he is. And he's loud and obnoxious. Oz's voter turnout in 99.5% simply by finding everyone who doesn't vote. I don't know what you're talking about. Oz? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know, know what that means. In Norway, elections are 74% government funded. Political advertising on TV and radio is banned. And voter turnout is 81%, ranked the 15th highest in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, compared to the United States, in the U.S., elections are 80% funded by corporations, super wealthy. And the super wealthy. Much of it for negative TV and radio advertising. Voter turnout is 48%, right? The 120th out of 169 countries. Holy shit. 
Sometimes people feel they have no sex. Yeah. That it's already been sold. That's but why. Norway is 71%, 74% government funded. That's a good idea. was beheaded by her own son on Tuesday night, according to police. Huh. It was a hot prank. I guess not. I guess it wasn't? I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sick. New York professor beheaded in what witness this thought was a Halloween prank. Holy crap. New York professor was beheaded by her own son on Tuesday night, according to police. The witnesses didn't notice anything peculiar about the body at first because they had assumed it was something particularly macabre idea of a Halloween prank. Patricia Ward was attacked and killed by her son in their apartment last night, and he dragged her body and severed her head out into the street. One witness said... Well, he's psychotic. I know. One witness said it looked fake. It looked like when you stuff clothes in a bag and put it outside your house. Another said, I literally thought it was a prank. We saw the body on one side and saw the head on the other side. I thought everything was a prank. Then less than a half an hour later, police discovered that Ward's son had stepped in front of a Long Island railroad train and killed himself. Authorities are considering the case of murder-suicide. Ward's son reportedly had a history of psychiatric issues, but there was no previous reports of domestic violence between him and his mother. He was, however, arrested on several previous occasions, once for criminal possession of a handgun and drugs. Holy shit. Yeah. Cut off his mother's head. Wow. Very bizarre. Happy Halloween. Well, there's some sick people. I mean, that's, that's, that's the act of a deranged human being. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But what's terribly sad is nobody recognized it. Bernie Sanders says, since 2001, we have lost over 60,000 factories in this country and millions of decent-paying manufacturing jobs. We must end our disastrous, unfettered free trade policies, NAFTA, CAFTA, and permanent normal trade relations with China, and demand that corporate America invest here and not in low-wage countries abroad. And we should make it worth their while to invest here. Ah. By not dear Monsanto, no one likes you. In fact, I very much hope your company goes bankrupt as soon as possible so that the environmental havoc you're wrecking can end. The genetically engineered foods are poison and we know it. We're not going to give up nor remain silent as our uniformed neighbors fund your crimes against the planet. Be nature alone. This is a open letter. It has been decided, Jeb Bush versus Hillary Clinton in 2016. Oh, I don't think so. I can't believe it. Reagan, Bush, Father Bush, Bill Clinton, Boy Bush, Obama, Hillary Clinton, Jeb Bush. Just when you thought we'd seen the last of the Bush crime family comes word from Sulzberger Slimes that ex 
Florida Governor Jeb Bush is being groomed as a possible candidate for the 2016 Quadrennial Freak Show. This isn't new to those who follow political developments closely, but it is the first time that the paper of record has rolled out the Bush plan in a major way. Expect the rest of the piranha press to soon follow the lead of typhoid Mary of American journalism. The Bush crime family began with a granddaddy, Prescott Bush, a Connecticut senator, who helped undermine the investigation of the late great, and I mean great, Senator Joe McCarthy. During the 70s and 80s, Prescott's boy, George, ran the CIA and served as Reagan's vice president and then president for four years. Bush 41 brought us the first Gulf War, tax increases, ballooning deficits, before being ousted in favor of Bill Clinton and the Hildebeest in the 1992 elections. Let's see what else it says here. Torch then passed to Bush 43 in 2001, the drunken buffoon. His handler, Dick Cheney, and Cheney's handler, the Zionist Scooter Libby, presided over the 9-11 false flag attack, the establishment of homeland security, massive budget deficits, the disastrous Iraq war, and the permanent war on terror. One would think that with a record such as this, the Bush family would disappear to some private island and play golf for the rest of their lives. But then you would be underestimating the eternal stupidity of the subspecimen of the Bubis Americanus, known as Bubis Republicanus Americanus. Jeb Bush is far more intelligent and well-spoken than his idiot brother George. Fluent in Spanish and married to a Mexican, he would make serious inroads into the Democrat voter base. Jeb is also more likable to the superficial uninformed boobs who vote in GOP primaries than either the Jersey blowhard Chris Christie or the self-righteous Old Testament Zionist pseudo-Christian creep Ted Cruz. We wouldn't even mention Rand Paul as a legitimate contender because uh, the Bubis Republicanus loves war far too much to ever allow the son of Ron Paul to even come near the White House. Jeb Bush's Spanish-speaking family makes him an instant contender in Mexi America. This makes him the only Republican capable of beating the Hilda Beast. For that reason alone, we predict Republicans will nominate him. The most distressing part of this sudden push for Jeb in 2016 is that he had already won the blessing of the Republican Party's new master casino mogul, Sheldon Adelson. A March article from the Washington Compost entitled Sheldon Adelson Plans VIP dinner for Jeb Bush at a GOP gathering in Vegas reveals the fixed game. Former Florida Governor Jeb Bush will get top billing when he and other potential 26 presidential candidates 
join billionaire casino mogul Sheldon Adelson for an exclusive Republican gathering. Adelson, you will crawl, plowed nearly $100 million into the Republican carpet primaries in 2012. After single-handedly keeping the odious Newt Ginrich alive, Adelson then bet his cash on Mitt Romney, Romney, the eventual GOP nominee. It is commonly known and openly admitted in the mainstream media that Adelson wants the U.S. to go to war with Iran. During a synagogue discussion, he was even caught on video advocating for for a warning nuclear strike uh, in uh, a desert area of Iran. So he wants nuclear strikes. A Jeb Bush presidency uh, means the return of the neocons to full control of the White House and then World War III. That's if Obama will not have already started it with Russia in 2016. On the Democrat side, Hillary, Russian, Russia, and China will pay Clinton is just as committed to war for Israel and World War. America, you have a problem. Oh, well. Pretty bad. Yeah. Well, that's about the end of our show, Dave. And I want to thank everybody who joined us tonight. And uh, join me next tomorrow night when I trip the light fantastic and do some uh, trans-dimensional travel. Okay. Uh, do you mind going up there and just pressing Barnstorm this thing? I don't know if you can reach that. No. Okay. Okay. Well, good night, everybody, and thank you for joining us, and stick to the unions. And, and vote next week. Yeah, and if you're in Connecticut, vote for Malloy, will you? <laughs>